Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 15th of April 2018, entitled Hindrances of Satan, Part 5. And the Bible readings are taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, and Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. You'd like to open your Bibles this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And Ephesians chapter 6. I think we're into part 5 of the series on the hindrances of Satan. You might say, well, we might have these passages memorized by the time we read them a few more times. Well, I hope so, because they're important enough that if you've got them in your heart, then I can promise you that it's not going to, uh, to hurt you. Uh, let me invite you to stand this morning uh, as we read, first of all, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and then from Ephesians chapter 6, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Word of God says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know of Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail. We're laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameable we behaved ourselves among you that believe, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, from be, from, for ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. They please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost." But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire, 
For we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. In Ephesians chapter 6, 12 years later, the Apostle Paul writes these words beginning in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. May the Lord richly add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. As we continue our thoughts this morning, we have looked at these passages. We have seen where on the one hand that even the Apostle Paul was hindered by Satan. But through all of that hindrances, his object, his goal, was still to proclaim the gospel of the Lord and to preach the truth to God's people. We've looked at some of the ways in which that Satan hinders. If he tried to hinder Paul, he certainly would try to hinder us. We talked about the reality of his presence, the realm of his power, and the reason for his, his program and what he is doing. We look, first of all, at the fact that Satan, first of all, tries to hinder the sinner from coming to Christ. Above all else, that is his great desire to keep anyone from being saved. We saw, secondly, that he not only will hinder the sinner from coming to Christ, but he'll hinder both the sinner and the saint from coming to church, not just any church but a church where the gospel is being preached and the word of God is being stood upon in truth and in power. He wants to keep you from coming to Christ. If you're lost, he wants to keep you out of a church that's going to preach the gospel message to you and challenge your life and your sin. If you're a Christian, he wants to keep you out of a church where the word of God is going to be preached, that is going to mature you, that is going to perfect you, that's going to strengthen you and grow you because the more that you're like Christ, the more effect that you're going to have on this lost world, the greater witness that you're going to be. Of course, then we saw, thirdly, that Satan will hinder the Christian from being consecrated to Christ. He doesn't want you to be Christ-like in your life. He doesn't want you 
You see, all of these tie together, and all of it is what makes you an effective witness for the Lord, an effective instrument in God's hands, and Satan wants to stop that. He doesn't want you to walk the walk that is worthy of, your, of, of the Lord, as we read here in this passage. And then, of course, we begin to look at the fact that Satan will hinder the Christian from carrying out the commission of Christ. And we've looked at a number of things here. We've looked at that, at that great commission that, that the Lord gave to us. And, of course, we could turn to any one of the Gospels and, and we, could, we could read that. But in the, in the Gospel of Mark, we find that the words are put this way in chapter 16, verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. We find that the reality is, is that Jesus has given us the commission to carry the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to this world because that is the only thing that will save their souls. We find that we're being warned here. We're being warned of the enemy that's going to come against us, that's going to try to hinder us. We've read here the importance of putting on the whole armor of God and, of course, being able to stand against the wiles, the tricks of Satan as he tries to bring them against us. And in the end, praying not only that we can stand, but that we can speak boldly the gospel of the truth that, that the God has, has given to us. As we began to look at those things, we looked last week at the fact that how are some of the ways that Satan will attempt to hinder you as a believer from reaching others with the gospel? And if you're here and you've never responded to that gospel, you need to understand this. We've already looked at the fact that you have one enemy that wants to keep you from coming to Christ, and his name is Satan, and he's real. And you better understand, he not only wants to destroy your life right now, he wants to destroy your life for all of eternity. And Christian, he'll do anything in his power to keep you from giving those lost individuals. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's his whole purpose. Everything about this is that you as a lost person might be saved and that you as a Christian might share that truth with somebody else that they can be saved. We looked in, in, in Matthew chapter 16 at how that, uh, that he uses people to hinder you. But it was interesting there because we saw how that Satan tried to hinder the apostle Paul. But we saw in that passage how that Satan actually tried to hinder Jesus Christ himself. And, of course, he uses people, sometimes the ones that are the closest to you, the ones that matter the most, because those are the ones that are going to have the greatest effect upon you. In this case, Jesus began telling his followers how that he must go to Jerusalem and he must be killed and he must rise again the third day. But Peter's the one that stood up and says, no, wait. We can't have that, Lord. We don't want that. You see, Peter was actually speaking out of a heart because he cared for Jesus. Jesus Peter wasn't an enemy that was trying to say something to Jesus to keep him from doing He was speaking what he spoke out of sincerity and love from his heart. 
But Jesus said to Peter, Get thee behind me, who? Not Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. You see, it's not because that Peter was Satan, but because it was Satan through Peter that was trying to hinder Jesus Christ from the most important thing in the world, and that was going to Jerusalem, being hung up on that cross, and rising the third day. Yes, Satan wanted to hinder that. And he used somebody out of their love for Jesus to be able to keep him from making that journey. Satan doesn't care. You need to realize we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities, against the spiritual wickedness in these high places. Satan will try to use people to to hinder you from reaching others with the gospel. We also saw as we turned into the book of Acts, we saw how that he not only uses people, but he uses those that are in power over those people. You see, there are those people that will have authority. Well, Jesus has told us to go in that all power is given unto him. All power, all authority is given unto him. Yes, Yes, he teaches us that we're to abide by the laws of the land, those that have power over us, but never in violation to the authority of all authorities, the authority of our Lord. Here, he was using the governing body in Jerusalem to hinder these in the first church. That same Peter, by the way, that was the one that Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, (laughs) was the same Peter that stood and preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls were saved. He was the same Peter that we read about how that he stood up again and and 5,000 more were saved. That same Peter was used of God because Satan has hindered you or used you in the past doesn't mean that he can hinder you or not use you today, that he can stop you from being used by the Lord. He used these in this governing body over, over the Jews at that time. I mean, this was made up of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and those that were the religious leaders of the day. It was made up of those that literally were given the authority to sit in judgment over the Jew and and decide his fate, his future. And he used those, and we saw how that he used those people to try to stop God's people from following him. But I want you to look at something further here. You see, you need to realize Satan wants to hinder you. He wants to hinder you from coming to Christ, and he wants to hinder you if you're here as a Christian. He wants to hinder you to keep you away from the truth. He wants to hinder you from your life being made into something that resembles Jesus Christ, and he wants to hinder you from reaching others with the gospel through people, through the powers, the authorities over those people. But he also wants to hinder you sometimes through the possessions of people, (laughs) the things of this world that means so much to so many people and sadly even to us as Christians. Notice what he says as we continue. We left off in Acts chapter 4 as we looked at the early church. Notice what happens in Acts chapter 5. He says, but a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. They sold something that belonged to them that they possessed and kept back part of the price his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath, what's the next word in your Bible? Why has Satan filled thine heart 
to lie to the Holy Ghost. Now, it looks like they're doing something pretty good here, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, they've got worldly possessions, and they go out and they sell those possessions, and they're going to take what they have sold those possessions for, and they're going to give it to the Lord. So they came in, but Satan was the one that in the midst of doing this good act, Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land. You see, it wasn't the deed and the fact that they were willing to give and sell this possession and take what they got from it and bring it into God's house and give it to God's work. It was that in the midst of doing something good, they chose to be dishonest to God because they said they were giving God all of it. But in fact, they wanted to keep part of it for themselves. They would have been fine. You know, they would, they would have still what happened to them. <laughs> if you read on down through the, through the next verses, verse 4, whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Why have you done this? Something that could have been something good, but Satan got into your heart and caused you because of those possessions, to want to hold on to part of it for yourself, and therefore you thought that you could get away with lying to God and telling God that you were doing something that just wasn't true. And of course, if you read on down those following verses, we won't say they were both literally judged, died, and were buried. That sin brought death. You say, well, that's pretty harsh. Folks, the wages of sin is death. If you sin and, 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 and don't die immediately, maybe you're dead spiritually, but you don't die physically, it's only by God's grace. Judgment is already passed. The penalty for sin is death. This is being used as a great illustration in the church. Don't lie to God. Even if you're doing something good, don't pretend that it's something that it's not. Be genuine with God. Notice what, if you, if you, if you look down in, in verse, uh, uh, verse 11, notice what he says here. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Would you think that it might affect you if somebody came in here and they were trying to give some great gift to the church for God's work and whatnot and Suddenly, you come to find out, well, they've lied about this all the time. They're pretending that they're doing more than what they're doing. It's all a false pretense. Even though part of it might be good, that doesn't excuse the sin. And if they just drop dead right there, <laughs> they had to take your body out and bury it. Hey, that woke the church up. <laughs> the, church, the church saw something there that, uh, you know, again, even though something bad had happened, it was something that was being used for the good of the church, it says in verse 12, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes of both, both of men and women. 
insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and, and laid them on beds and couches that at the, the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the city round about into Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, sick folks, and them which were vexed with an unclean spirit, and they were healed every one. God gave his apostles some very, very special gifts. And we find here that even though this was a pretty horrendous sight to take place in the church. You need to understand, folks, there was one reason. Satan was trying to hinder this husband and this wife from doing something great for the Lord. They had a good idea to start with, but they became completely dishonest with God about it, and it was all because they wanted it for themselves. They held back for themselves. They were pretending to be doing something that they weren't. Satan doesn't care how he does it. But you see, God turned that around. And because that God had to judge them, because it cost them their lives, man, that got the church's attention. <laughs> and the church started moving, and God was moving in the midst because they were in one accord. Their hearts were in one accord and, and, and one mind. And, and we need to recognize and understand. You better realize Satan is real, and he wants to keep you. He will use the people, sometimes the people closest to you. He doesn't care who they are. He'll use anybody that he can to hinder you from reaching others for Christ. He'll use the powers of the people, the authorities that are over them, whether it's in the churches or in this world. He doesn't care. They were refused. You can't continue to preach. You can't say anything in Jesus' name. You can't do these things. They said, we can't do anything but do it. He'll use whatever he can. It may be the government out there. It may be the powers from within. But what they were afraid of was the message that they were preaching. He'll use the possessions of the people. What could have been a good act it turned out to be something horrible because those possessions meant more to them than being honest with God. He was trying to hinder something great from taking place within the church. Of course, we see that God overcame that. We find that he's used some other things here, but I want to remind you this morning that when Satan tries to hinder you, notice that sometimes... Sometimes as we look into the next chapter, in chapter, uh, chapter 5 here, we'll find that he will be bringing all kinds of people. We'll look at some of those things next week. But he'll use, he'll use persecutions in any way that he can to be brought against you. He doesn't, he doesn't care if it's physical persecutions or mental persecutions. He'll bring those things against you. I want to remind you here this morning, folks, you serve such a loving God, and he loves you so much. It doesn't matter what your past was. He already died for you when he knew that you'd do all those terrible things that you might have done in your life. He already, he knew. He knew that you were going to do it before you knew. He knows your heart in all of those things, and yet he died for you while you were still a sinner. He didn't die for you because of what you could do for him. He died for you because of his love for you. He gave himself. You need to realize and understand, I don't know your heart today, 
But there's one that wants to keep you whatever he can, he will use to keep you from coming to Christ. Christian, he's going to do whatever he can in your life to keep you from being Christ-like and being used of Christ. And he's going for both sides. He's going to do everything he can to hinder the Christian going to the sinner with the gospel message that will change his life. He will use people. He'll use the people's authority. He'll use the possessions that we have, anything he can to hinder the work of God. There's all kind of good things that come to God for your life. But you better realize the greatest purpose, his eternal purpose for you, is the salvation of your soul. That's why Jesus was planned to come. That's why he did come. And today we need to recognize, you see, we do want, as we saw during our conference, we want to put on the whole armor of God. We want the Lord to fight these battles for us. What we're trying to recognize right here is, church, we need to wake up and understand. There's not a lost person in this world that Satan's not going to use whatever he can to keep them from being saved. Sometimes, sometimes they might be pretty belligerent. We had a few belligerent ones yesterday, didn't we? <laughs> Some of them can get downright nasty. Some of you know, they don't want anything to do with what you want. I, I had one sling the track back in my face and said, I'm an atheist. I don't want any of that. You know, I didn't get upset with him for that. My heart broke for him because one day when he stands before God, that's one of the things he'll have to give an account when that gospel message was trying to be handed to you. You were so belligerent. I don't want that. I'm an atheist. God wants to hinder the gospel message because that's the work of God. He created you from nothing but he created you to have fellowship with him for all of eternity. Everything in the Bible, I love, I love, I love what Charles Haddon Spurgeon, you've heard me say it before, one more time won't hurt. He said you start anywhere in that book, you preach on any subject or topic that you want to, but you always head straight for the cross. <laughs> head straight for the cross. You see, underlying it all, that's why God set that plan that you might be saved, that you might be saved. Yes, you, with everything. He loved you in all of your sinfulness, but you got an enemy. He doesn't want you to come to that. And Christians, I don't care who it is out there, how belligerent that they might be, how hard that they might seem to reach, remember, remember, when the Apostle Paul was telling us in Ephesians chapter 6, to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against all those wiles and tricks of the devil. When he comes right down, everything, when you go to the beginning and you go to the end, the context of all of that battle comes right back to the gospel that he might speak boldly, that he might proclaim boldly the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the last commission that he left us with before he left this world. Our enemy wants to hinder us. We need to wake up and realize and understand. We need to understand. He's the one. He plays with your mind. He plays with your heart. He uses the people around you. He uses the things around you. He uses all of these things to keep you from being used of God in a mighty way. Father, you know the hearts of each one here today. Lord, I can honestly say that I don't ever remember a time that I've stood and 
tried to preach and proclaim your word. I don't ever remember a time in all of my life, Lord, that, that I can recall ever doing it as effectively and as powerfully as it ought to be. But Lord, I pray this morning that it's not by my power or my words or my way of doing things, that even as the Apostle Paul prayed in our passage here this morning as he wrote to the church of Thessalonia, it wasn't in his words, it wasn't in his device, it wasn't in his power. It was all of you. Lord, you knew not only before we were ever created what would happen, you knew even down to this service today who would be here. You knew who, Lord, that might at some point later even listen to this message on the internet or something. Lord, you know every individual. So, Father, I pray that even today that it's not my words or my abilities or my lack of abilities that affects lives and hearts here today, but by the power of your Spirit. Speak to that one that's here, that's lost, whoever they might be. Help them to grasp and understand in their heart, Lord, that it's everything that you did. You did it for them. They could be saved, but they wouldn't have to pay the penalty for their sins. Father, help them to understand that there is one enemy that wants to keep them from that great gift, and his name is Satan. Today, I pray that you would not allow Satan to hinder that one to come to Christ that needs to come today. For every Christian here, help us to realize, Lord, it is a busy world. It's a busy life, and there's so many things going on in it. Oh, please help us not to lose sight. Lord, there is a battle that's going on, a spiritual battle. And if we're already a Christian and we're already saved, the greatest thing that Satan wants to do in our lives is to hinder us from having any part whatsoever in showing anyone else the way that they can come to Christ. Lord, help us as individuals. Help us as a church. Help us to understand we do need to let you fight our battles for us. But we need to wake up and realize that Satan works around us in all kinds of ways. Lord, he wants to hinder us as he did the Apostle Paul. He did hinder him as he tried to hinder even Jesus Christ. It was not successful, of course. Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. Help us to grasp these truths. Do in our hearts what only you can do. We give you the thanks and praise for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.